listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. We're going to be uh, doing a communion service, and so I got, I'm, re- I'm ready to go. I got my bread, I got my juice. I'm ready to go. So if you have, I wanted to tell you at the front of the broadcast because if you are at home and you have the ability to go get some elements that you may have, if you have some bread, if you have some juice, um, I'm at the end of this broadcast tonight. After I'm done teaching on the communion meal, we're going to take communion together and believe God for miracles supernaturally on this weekend broadcast. And uh, so I'm going to teach some things in just a moment that maybe you've never heard about the communion meal in your entire life and all of the teaching you may have had on it. I'm going to go through some things in scripture that maybe you've never heard about communion and teach it to you. And uh, it's going to build your faith. It's going to let you see that the communion meal is supernatural. It is supernatural. And so we're setting our faith to receive miracles and, uh, and so tonight's going to be a night of, of uh, not just learning about the revelation of communion, but we're going to take it together at the end of the broadcast and, uh, and receive miracles for our families, our lives. Thank you, Julie. Thank you, Todd and Janine. So get yourself ready. If you need a few moments to do it, we will be doing it at the end of the broadcast and not the beginning. So if you didn't get a chance to share, now's the time. Share this. We're going to jump in and uh, I'm going to show you some things from the word of God. I want you to start with me by going to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Yeah, we're going to pray, uh, Diana, the prayer of faith at the end of this broadcast and believe God for miracles for every family and every individual. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 is where we're going to start. And uh, this is Paul teaching the... um, Yeah, I I understand. So Tiffany is saying um, on YouTube, I grew up Catholic... Uh, and the communion meal sort of became a ritual with no meaning. Um, and she said she's never done born-again communion. Well, Tiffany, um, there will be some differences, obviously, uh, that I'll outline tonight between what the Catholic Church believes about communion versus what the Protestant Church believes about communion. One of the biggest things, any of you that may have came, uh, come out of Catholicism, uh, you understand that one of the things that the uh, Roman Catholic Church believes regarding The communion meal is that uh, it actually and literally turns into the body and blood of Jesus Christ. That's something they believe that's called transubstantiation, that when you receive the communion meal, that the bread literally turns into the flesh of Jesus, that the wine actually turns into the blood of Jesus. Protestant believers don't believe that uh, in transubstantiation. We don't believe that it turns into the actual blood of Jesus, the actual body of Jesus. But that's not to say that we don't look at the communion meal with extreme respect and uh, as a holy thing. It is a very holy ordinance of the church. Jesus told us to do it. And he said, as often as you as you eat and as often as you drink, uh, do it in remembrance of me. And so it's literally uh, us not just remembering what he did through the resurrection, through the crucifixion, death, burial, But it is also, as I'm going to show you tonight, an access point to the miracles of God. It's an access point 
to the supernatural. And I'm going to explain what I mean by that. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and Paul starts to teach them um, on this, what, what he called the Lord's Supper. And uh, it starts in verse 17, 1 Corinthians 11, 17. Listen to this. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you. Now, Paul's given him a little bit of a, a rebuke here. He's rebuking the church. By the way, this was a really immature church. And he's rebuking the church here. He said, I don't commend you because when you come together, it's not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part. For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry and another gets drunk. Look at that. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. For I receive from the Lord what I also deliver to you. That, and then we're going to get into this. So one of the things that um, one of the things that, that that's happening here that Paul's rebuking them for is he's saying you're treating the communion meal like it's a normal meal that you would eat breakfast, lunch, or dinner. He said that's that, that's a problem. He said that's not how Jesus gave it to us. He didn't give it to us to look at it as just another normal meal. And he said, you're treating it as ordinary. He said, you come in and you don't wait for your brothers and sisters. You just start eating up all the bread and drinking all of the wine. He said, and you, you leave some people hungry. They get nothing because you're eating it like it's just a normal meal. And that's why he said, don't you have your own house to eat your meals in? Don't come to the house of the Lord and treat communion like it's just some natural meal and just sit there and eat your fill like it's dinner. He said, it's, that's not what, what we're doing. And he said, everybody should be able to take part in it. And people shouldn't be left out or left hungry. And other people overindulging. He said, you're treating it like it's natural. That, that's, that's something I want you to catch tonight. They're treating it like it is natural. And so the first thing I want you to write in the comments tonight is this. The communion meal is not a natural meal. That's the first thing that's important to see. The communion meal is not a natural meal. So very important that you catch this. Not only is it not a natural meal, it's not to be treated like a natural meal, and it's not to be treated uh, as something that's not, I would not just say inspired, but commanded by God. And what I'm going to show you in a moment, maybe you've never heard before, that's right. Pop it in the comments. It is not a natural meal. It's not a natural meal. It's not. Uh, in fact, one, one, of the, one of the ways that I refer to it, because uh, Bishop Oyedepo has a book in regards to this, he calls it the miracle meal. And I think that's a better way of looking at it. The communion meal is a miracle meal. It's a miracle meal. It's a supernatural meal. It's not, it's not a natural meal. And so Paul goes on to say this in verse 23, for what I received from the Lord uh, is what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
So you can see where, you know, you, you could understand where the Catholic Church would look at that and say, no, Jesus said it's literally his body. Well, that's not what he was saying, obviously, because the Bible even says it was bread. He was speaking figuratively, obviously. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Now go further. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That's why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we're judged by the Lord, we're disciplined so that we may be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home so that when we come together, it will be not be for judgment. And about other things, I'll give you directions when I come. So watch this. Many people, uh, and of course, we always need to live in a place of holiness, righteousness, and in the forgiveness of God. But many people have preached this passage and said, that means if, you're, if you've got any sins in your heart before you take the communion meal, make sure you repent before you uh, take the communion meal so that you don't drink it or eat it unworthily. Well, I agree that if you're going to be living for the Lord, you should be living a holy life. You should be living uh, a life in the forgiveness of sin. You don't seek to live in sin. Uh, but that in context is not what Paul's teaching. Obviously, we should live in holiness, and if we have sinned, ask for forgiveness. But what Paul's teaching them in context here is he's teaching them to stop treating it like it's a normal meal. He said that's why. And then he goes back to it again, as you see that. He goes back to it again and says, uh, that's why you're weak and ill, you're judged. And so he goes back and says, and so when you come together, wait for one another. And if you're hungry, eat at home. He's saying, don't eat it like it's a normal meal. And what was happening was people were disregarding the fact that the communion meal, the Lord's Supper, is not natural. It is a supernatural ordinance of the church. It is something that Jesus put in place for our blessing. Let me say this to you, and this is something that's so important to remember for the rest of your life. Anything God commands he empowers that you should write that in the comments in all capitals and never forget it. Anything God commands, he empowers so vital that you catch it. Anything God commands, he empowers. Please, please catch that. Put it in the comments section. And so Christ commanded the communion meal. Let me give you some examples of what I mean when I say that, because the Bible teaches us that uh, the kingdom of God is based upon mysteries. It's based on mysteries, things that don't necessarily make sense. If you want to have more, you got to give away. If you want to go up, Jesus taught, you got to go down. Anybody who wants to be promoted has to become a servant. Everything's, it seems like a paradox in the kingdom of God. The kingdom is built on mysteries. The Bible says, uh, uh, now I want, I want to show you what I mean by that. So there are certain things that operate 
in the in the kingdom of God, the power of God, that don't make sense to the natural mind. For example, the power of your words. When you speak a word and watching that thing come to pass, somebody would say, well, how is it possible that you can just speak to sickness and disease or speak to a demon and it has to obey? It's the mystery of the power of the word of God. It's the power of God in you. Another one would be the mystery of the anointing oil. You've heard me preach on the anointing oil. Bible says, lay your hands on the sick, anoint them with oil, and the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. The anointing oil is a mystery. Um, same thing with uh, you know prayer cloths, Acts chapter 19. Handkerchiefs and aprons were taken from the body of Paul, and when they were laid upon the sick or diseased or demon-possessed, they were healed and delivered. The mystery of the prayer cloth. The same thing is true with the communion meal. It's not a natural meal, but it carries supernatural power. Why is it a miracle meal? Because anything that God commands, he empowers. Anything that God commands, he empowers. So if Christ commanded the communion meal for his disciples to continue in it and often do it, then the command of Christ brought about the empowerment of Christ. And I think it's interesting because if you'll notice this, when they were doing it the wrong way, the Bible says there were natural consequences in their life. What did he say? He said, it's why that many of you are weak and ill and some have died. And so he said, judge yourself. So watch this. The opposite is true if you do it the proper way. If you properly discern the Lord's body and the blood, the Bible says that because they did it the wrong way, many were weak Many were sick and many died early. But if you do it the proper way as Christ recommended and commanded, then guess what? Weakness has to leave and strength comes. Healing comes and the Bible teaches that we can have protection over our life. We can live a long life. In fact, even in the Old Testament, with long life will I satisfy you. With long life will I satisfy you. And so I want you to see this because the elements, this is so important, the elements of God's systems carry his power. I'm going to say that again because maybe you've never heard it taught this way. The elements of God's system carry his power. The elements of God's system. I just listed some of them for you. Because he commanded the anointing oil, that is an element of one of God's systems. Anoint the sick with oil. Anoint the sick with oil. That's God's system. That's not a man-made system. It's a supernatural system. But because God enacted it and commanded it, his power's on it. Anything God commands, he empowers. So the anointing oil is one of those things. Prayer cloths are one of those things. It's God did it in his word, and so we're empowered to do it. The word of God is inspired. It is inerrant. It is God-breathed. We see it so we can do it. The laying on of hands. People might ask, well, what, does it, what difference does it make if you take your hand and touch a person that's sick and pray a prayer? What is that going to do? According to scripture, the Bible says they'll lay their hands on the sick and they shall recover. So the system of laying your hands on a person and praying the prayer of faith is a scriptural system that carries power to heal the sick. The same is true. You go any one of those things, anything God commands, he empowers and one of the things that God commands is the anointing of the communion meal. Christ commanded us to remember what he did in redemption. 
And I'm telling you, I never look when I, when I look at the bread, I didn't, I didn't have any, uh, I didn't have any, uh, unleavened bread in the house, but this is leavened. <laughs> and so I did, I, I, but this is what I had and I had juice, but I only had regular bread. Um, but when I look at this bread before I take it, I don't just look at this and say, well, here I go. It's just, all it is, is really just a sign. You know, all, all it is, is just a, I'm being figurative here. It's just really symbolic. That's not all it is. That's not all it is. I never look at that and say, well, that's just symbolic. You know, the bread represents the body of Jesus. And while I told you that I don't believe, and neither do Protestant believers, in transubstantiation, I don't. this doesn't turn into the actual flesh of Jesus. This doesn't turn into the actual blood of Jesus. But n- neither is it only symbolic. This is not just a symbol of the body of Christ. And this is not just a symbol of the blood of Jesus, but because they were commanded by Christ and empowered by God, the same, this is where I want you to get, the same power that is in our hands when we lay them on the sick, the same power that is in the anointing oil as we obey God's command to anoint the sick and lay hands on them, the same power that is in the prayer cloths that we may lay on the sick or give to those that are believing for a miracle is the same power that is in the communion meal, the Lord's Supper. It's the same power. It is an element commanded by God and anything God commands, he empowers. Anything God commands, he empowers. We're talking about the act of redemption. What we're doing is a remembrance of the mighty act of redemption that Christ paid the price to deliver us from sin, to deliver us from sickness, to deliver us from uh, poverty, to deliver us from uh, attacks against our mind and attacks against our family. The blood of Jesus was shed to bring us into freedom. That's exactly right. The anointing breaks the, the yoke, Luenda. That's a powerful message. The anointing breaks the yoke. This is an element of the anointing. It's an element commanded by God through Christ. And anything God commands, he empowers. If God is in it, then guess what? He's empowered it. If God is in it, he has empowered it. And so I want you to see this tonight. When we partake of the bread and when we partake of the juice, of course, I don't drink wine. I'm not a Catholic, but uh, when I partake of the juice, I don't drink alcohol. Uh, we're believing, not just not just standing in remembrance of the wonderful work of Christ. That's not all we're doing. I'm believing that as I obey what Jesus said to do, and I and I eat the bread and I drink the juice. I am drinking that. I am eating that, expecting healing virtue, empowering virtue to go into my body and begin to make me whole. If anything has come against my physical body or has tried to come against my mind or has tried to come against my house, I believe that as I drink and eat what Jesus told me to do, that the same anointing that's on the oil, the same anointing that's on the prayer cloth, the same anointing that's on the laying on of hands is in the communion meal. It is a point of contact by faith and I receive the anointing of God as I partake in the communion meal. No question. No question. I partake in the communion meal and I expect to receive the anointing and virtue of God in my body. No question. See, because if that wasn't true, then the opposite of it would not be true either. 
Listen to me. If all it was was just a symbol and a representation, then why did Paul say that Corinthian believers suffered natural penalties in their body for not properly discerning the Lord's Supper? They were weak. Some were sickly. Others died early. And the reason he gave, you don't properly discern the Lord's body or the Lord's Supper. And so when we do, flip that on it, on the other side, when we do properly discern, when we respect it, honor it, know what it is that Jesus was teaching us to do, then in our obedience to partake in the Lord's Supper, the opposite will be true for us. Weakness has to leave our body. Sickness has to leave our body. Death has to run from our home in Jesus' name. When we obey Christ's command to partake in the communion meal, then the blessing of God comes upon our lives and the anointing of God flows through our bodies. Hallelujah. 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 Flows through our bodies. Now, I want to show you something that maybe you've never seen before in regard to the communion meal. Go with me to the book of Exodus chapter 7. Exodus chapter 7. And obviously this was long before the communion meal was ever eaten or the Lord's Supper was ever served to the disciples. Exodus chapter 7. I want you to uh, look at this passage of scripture. And I'm sure it's familiar to you. The Bible says, uh, and we'll start reading with the 10th verse, Exodus 7 and, uh, and verse 10. Robin, stick around. We're teaching on the Lord's Supper, the communion meal. Uh, and as Christians, we're going to partake of it tonight. Um, and welcome. If it's your first time, Robin McAdam, if it's your very first time here on the broadcast, welcome. Good to have you. Everybody on YouTube, welcome, Robin. Um, Exodus chapter 7, I'll go to verse 10 and verse through verse 12. Listen to this. So Moses, the Bible says, so Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron cast down his staff before Pharaoh. Notice what happened. Cast down his staff before Pharaoh. And the Bible says, and his servants, and it became a serpent. The, ser the, the, the actual staff became a serpent. And so you go further, look what happened. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers, and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same by their secret arts. Hey, Matt, love you, buddy. And so what, what happened? The, the thing that happened was Pharaoh called his magicians and he said, oh, you think you're special because you threw your staff down and it turned into a serpent? Let my magicians do it. And the Bible says, and they threw their uh, staffs down and they all became serpents. But look what happened. Verse 12, uh, for each man cast down his staff and they became serpents, but Aaron's staff, hallelujah, Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. I love that verse. That's the 12th verse. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. And so it was God, It was as if God was saying, oh, you think you're on my level? You think you're powerful and can do what I do? Let me show you that my power is far greater than yours. And I, I wish I could have been in the room to have seen uh, not just uh, Aaron's staff, which was a serpent, eating all of theirs, but I wish I could have been in the room to just like see their faces 
as as uh, as as Aaron's staff, which was a serpent, was swallowing up. Because you know it wasn't fast. You know, have you ever watched? Uh, maybe on like the uh, National Geographic or something like that. Have you ever watched like a snake swallow a larger animal? You know, where they like disconnect their jaw and they start swallowing. Like we had, I saw a picture uh, recently on the, on the internet here locally in Florida. And there was a snake that had swallowed like a whole baby alligator. So you've got a snake just laying on the, on the shore with like the outline of an alligator in its stomach. You know, it's like uh, outside of it. I would have loved to have seen the faces of the magicians as Aaron's staff is just like slowly swallowing every serpent in the room. You know, it took time. So they had to like stand there and wait. Pharaoh's watching it. The magicians are watching it. Moses is watching it. Aaron's watching it. And one by one, Aaron's staff is swallowing up the other staffs. And I always wonder this because the Bible says, and it became... Obviously, it became a staff again. It makes me laugh. I always wonder when Aaron got his staff back and <coughs> picked it up off the ground, if his staff was like way thicker, you know, after it ate all of the serpents in the room. I always wonder, like, was it a big, thick staff after it was done? But he picked it back up. Notice what happened. His rod, Aaron's rod, became the element that swallowed up every other serpent of those evil men. Every other serpent. Now, I want you to go with me to the book of Isaiah. And I'm going to show you a prophecy that's going to blow your mind. And maybe you've never seen this about the communion meal. I want you to see it tonight. I want you to see it tonight. Because this is one of the most powerful things that you could see and understand about the communion meal. And that's what we're getting ready to cover. Isaiah chapter 11. And I'm going to read just the first verse. Isaiah 11, 1. Listen to this. The Bible says, uh, there shall come forth a rod that shall shoot out from the stump of Jesse and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. Did you catch that? Hallelujah. Somebody put that verse in the comments. If you've not done so already, pop it in the comments section. Because that right there, this, this will make you dance. If you don't know where I'm headed with this, this will make you dance. Listen to it. Let me, I mean, this, this, this right here, to me, it makes me wanna it makes me want to jump up out of this seat and dance around the room. Hallelujah. Listen to this. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. And a branch shall grow out of his roots. There shall come forth a rod. That's the King James Version. Out of the stem of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Do you know who the rod is that Isaiah is prophesying about in Isaiah 11.1? 1? The rod that Isaiah is prophesying about is not King David. He said out of Jesse's house. But who came out of the line of David? Who was called the son of David? It's talking about Jesus, the Christ. It's talking about the Messiah. It's talking about the anointed one. And Isaiah prophesied hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus' birth that a rod would come forth out of the stem of Jesse 
and a branch shall grow out of his roots. I want you to see this with me tonight, that Jesus Christ is the rod that is coming out of the house of Jesse. He was the rod. I love this, man. Listen, I'm getting ready to shout. The rod, hallelujah, the anointing's on that. If you can't feel that, I don't, I don't understand what's going on. The rod is Christ. Now watch this. In the same way that as uh, Aaron threw down his rod and it began to swallow up every wicked thing in the room, every staff of every magician that represented the wickedness of Pharaoh's court, his kingdom, and his heart, swallowed them up in the same way. Christ is the rod from the stem of Jesse. And when you partake in this communion meal, you are literally partaking of the rod that came from the house of Jesse the rod who is Christ Jesus. This is the body of Christ. You're partaking of the rod. Listen to this. And as that rod of Christ goes into your body, it is swallowing up every wicked thing sent by the devil to destroy your body. The rod of Christ through the communion meal is swallowing up every virus, swallowing up bacteria, swallowing up sickness and disease, swallowing up tumors, swallowing up every wicked thing that's been sent against your body. As you partake of the communion meal, the rod of Christ, he came from the house of Jesse, but he is swallowed, as Aaron's rod swallowed up the magician's staffs, every wicked thing, that's been sent against your life is being swallowed up tonight by Christ. As you ingest the communion meal, get ready because it's a supernatural thing, not a natural thing. That's why I encouraged you at the beginning of this broadcast. It is not natural. It is supernatural. When you take part in the mighty communion meal, hallelujah, and thank you, Jesus, then you're taking part in a supernatural natural, what I call a miracle meal. If you believe that, I want you to write in the comments, this is my miracle meal. I want you to claim it for yourself. This is my miracle meal in Jesus' name. See, it has to become real to you. It can't just be real to me. It's got to be real to you. And I want you to put it in the comments. This is my miracle meal. If you got to put my in all caps to emphasize it, do it. This is my miracle meal tonight. See, as this stuff is trying to sweep through our nation and sweep through the world, our, our declaration will be different. I just saw something today. I knew there was going to be something that came out from somewhere to try to, to get us to doubt and not believe the word of God. I saw there was a, um, I saw that there was a story of a, in the Midwest, of a Pentecostal church that continued to hold services and they had about 80 people in attendance and about 50 of them now have the coronavirus. And so they're all apologizing. They're all sad. And so I'm sure people will point that out and say, see, that's a, there's a Pentecostal church. They believe in healing. They believe in miracles, but they still all caught the coronavirus. Let me just tell you something. That church 
of 80 people in the Midwest, though they are my brothers and sisters in Christ, they do not define the reality of my life in the gospel. They are not the word of God. They are not uh, the mighty power of God. They are only filled with the power of God. But my life and your life is defined by the mighty word of God. And I've been encouraging you since the beginning to say the same thing because we knew that it was going to happen to some people because the Bible says in Psalm 91, a thousand may fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand, but these things will not touch me. So I don't care. This is the thing that I'm trying to get in your spirit. Not my story. Not my story. That's not my story. I don't care what happens to somebody else. Not not in the sense that I don't have compassion or that I don't, that I'm not, you know, not that I'm not praying for them, not that I could care less about their life. I'm not saying it that way. Obviously, we're praying for them, believing for miracles. I'm saying I don't care in the sense that it doesn't define my life. Someone else's experience doesn't define my life or your life. And you've got to declare it by faith. It's not my story in Jesus' name. Doesn't matter who falls at my side, who falls at my right hand. My confession of faith is that these things will not touch me in Jesus' name. These things will not touch me in Jesus' name. It's not my story. It will not be my family's story. It will, be, it will not be my wife's story in Jesus' name. That will not be my outcome. They're not the word of God. They're not my standard. I pray God touches them. I pray God heals them. I pray that God puts them into a place of peace, comfort, and faith. But that's not going to be my story in Jesus' name. Every individual believer has to make it up in their own personal mind. That's just how it works. It's not by group. Every individual has to take the promises of God for themselves. Every individual must take the promises of God for themselves. And so you got to declare, it's not my story. It might be theirs, but it's not mine. It's not mine. And so tonight when we're getting ready to partake of the communion meal, the Lord's Supper, what we're declaring is that as I do what Jesus said, as I eat the bread, as I drink the juice, then I am eating to my health. I am ingesting. Now think about this. Think how I'm saying it. Think about how I'm saying it. When I take part tonight in the communion meal, I am literally ingesting the power of of God into my body. I am literally ingesting the power of God into my body. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You know, what's the point of laying hands on people if you don't believe the power of God's transferred? What's the point in anointing with oil if you don't believe the power of God's transferred? What's the point in laying a prayer cloth on somebody if uh, you know the power if the power of God is not on you see that? What 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 does it what good does it do? And in the same way, what's the point of partaking in the communion meal if you don't believe the power of God is on it? We're not filled with religious tradition for the sake of tradition. This isn't liturgy for the sake of liturgy. 
No, whatever we do in accordance to God's word and in obedience to the commands of Christ and God carries upon it the power of heaven. It's why we do it. It's why we do it. When we obey him, we carry the power of heaven. Well, you know, Luenda is asking, I had an evangelical ask me, if I get the virus, does that mean I don't have faith? Well, it, it, not, it doesn't necessarily just mean I, you don't have enough faith. For some, what it may mean is that you don't have the proper revelation of God's word. Because understand something, it's not uh, what church you belong to that sets you free. It's not calling yourself a Pentecostal that sets you free. The Bible says you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so any truth that you don't have command of in your life, then you will not operate in the benefits of it. You'll not operate in the benefits of truth you don't have. That's why I say it this way. People will experience the consequences of the truth that they choose to reject. People will suffer the consequences of the truth they choose to reject. What do I mean by that? Well, it's like I teach in this uh, compartmentalized faith. Think about that. I've taught this on the broadcast before. Uh, if all a church ever preaches is salvation, 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 but they won't teach you that Jesus is a healer and they won't teach you uh, that he's a baptizer in the Holy Spirit, they won't teach you that he's a provider, so they never preach it to you, so you never have your faith built in that area. So as a result, guess what? You can have faith for salvation and no faith for healing. And so what's the problem? You have a lack of revelation in the area of healing. There is insufficiency of truth in that area of your life. So you can't benefit from the goodness of it or the revelation of it because it's just not there. That doesn't, and ultimately it means that the faith is not there, but it doesn't mean that a person doesn't have faith. It means that they just don't have faith in that area. And I know that Pentecostals and Charismatics get hammered for saying things like that. I, I realize, you know, I watch the debates. I see the things on the other side. I know what people say about us. I know how we're cast and in what light we're talked about. But I don't change, I cannot change how I believe and what the word of God teaches just because it sounds offensive to somebody. Well, they teach that if somebody doesn't get healed, they don't have enough faith. Well, I, Jesus said things like that. I can't, I, what do you want me to just correct Jesus? You want me to correct the, the, the apostles? They taught that. Jesus, you know, what did he say to his disciples? Lord, why couldn't we cast the demon out of that? Because, you're, because of your unbelief. You don't have enough faith. Oh, well, Jesus shouldn't have said that to the disciples. You know, he shouldn't have treated them like that. He, he's the one that called them. He's the one that positioned them. He should have just, no, he said it to them plainly. I'll tell you why you couldn't do it and why you couldn't get it because of your unbelief. You didn't have enough faith. Went to, went, went to his own hometown, Mark chapter six. Why couldn't they receive healing? Why couldn't they receive miracles? Mark six, one through six, because of their unbelief. And he marveled at their unbelief. So I know that people get mad about that. Trust me, I know that it's controversial to say the reason some don't believe is a lack of, some don't receive is a lack of faith. I know that that gets hammered in the reform community and the Baptists, the Presbyterians that don't believe like we would do. Tough. It's what Jesus taught. I can't go away from God's word and say, well, I know that's what Jesus taught, but you know, 
I won't contradict Christ and I won't contradict his word. If he said it, I'm safe to say it. And that, that's the truth. Everything we receive by, from God is by faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You understand that? Yeah, look at the opposite. Tammy's right. The, Jesus said the opposite as well many, many times. Your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you whole. Why couldn't we get it? Because you have a lack of faith and unbelief, but your faith has made you whole. Jesus said both. <clears throat> he said both. And so I'm not going to correct Jesus and I'm not going to correct his word. It's why I come on the broadcast and pump you full of faith because I'm believing that through these sessions, you will be filled with faith and receive the manifestations of power that you're believing for and receive your healing and, and receive your miracle that you're believing for. That you will write in with testimonies and say, Brother Ted, listen to what God did for me. Listen to the miracle that took place in my life. L listen to the healing. That's what my prayer is for you. That God does that very thing for you. And he will. And he will. And in a moment, as we're getting ready to take this communion meal together, we are eating. I like what, what somebody wrote. It might have been Brother Collier. He said, we're eating to our own protection. We're eating to our own healing. We're eating to our own strength. We're eating to long life. The same thing we're drinking to. It is what Christ gave us the ability to do through his command. And Paul taught it plainly that a lack of discerning the Lord's body brought weakness, sickness, and early death. But when you properly discern Christ's body, that anointing of God gets into your body. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It gets into your body and begins to make you whole. And I'm telling you, I am telling you that tonight as we get ready to take part together, I'm praying and we're gonna receive it and I'm praying that that healing anointing gets into your body tonight. The power of God comes upon your family and upon your life, makes you whole. Whatever harassed you before tonight, whatever came against you before tonight, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that as we partake in the communion meal, that that thing will leave your body, leave your mind in the mighty name that's above every name, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. That's our prayer tonight. We're going into this weekend completely healed. We're going into this weekend completely full of joy, completely full of peace. We're going into the weekend delivered by the power of God. Maybe you're watching me tonight because let me say this, same thing. Maybe you're, I'm believing with you, Allison. Maybe you're, you're watching me tonight and you love the Lord, but uh, there are things in your life that have uh, addicted you. There are addictions. Oh, no, Kristen. Uh, let me answer this question quickly. Kristen's asking on YouTube, is communion only to be taken with groups or are we supposed to do this uh, every night at home? So many questions. I understand what it is now though. Um, so let me just say this, Kristen. You can take, Jesus said, as often as you drink it, as often as you eat it. So you can do, it doesn't have to be once a month, once a quarter, once a year, like some churches do. You know, Smith Wigglesworth, the great healing evangelist, he took communion every single day of his life as a believer, took communion every single day. So as often as you want to do it in remembrance of Christ, do it, do it. You don't have to be. Uh, in a body of believers to do it. You can do it and remember what Christ did even by yourself.
And that power's in it. That power is in it because Christ commanded it. But that's my prayer tonight in a moment when we, when we get ready to take this together. We're believing healing virtue, healing power is flowing through our bodies and we will be made completely whole. I'm going to lead you through it, Kristen, and show you what Jesus did and, and just kind of what you see me do tonight as we take communion. Do it yourself. What you see me do, you do. People say, well, what are you the what are you the example? Well, I'm just kind of following, you know, Paul said, as follow me as I follow Christ. It's all right. It's all right to get you to take a cue from somebody that's been doing it. And so let me just say this: if you want to do it, just kind of do what I'm doing tonight. And as you see me pray, and as you see me take go through these elements, do the same thing for yourself. God honors your faith as well, Kristen. And so if you have not yet gotten uh, your elements, the bread and the juice, where you are, take a minute quickly to get it. If you have to put your phone down or your tablet or your laptop and go to the kitchen, uh, do that now because in just a moment, I'm good. I'm glad, Tammy. I'm glad. In just a moment, we're going to take this together and we're going to receive uh, the communion meal together. And by faith, we are taking this knowing that the power of God is being ingested into our bodies and we're confessing and believing that every sickness is being attacked. Oh, that's what I wanted to give you before we go. I love this quote. Let me read you a quote that Bishop Oyedepo said uh, in regards to the communion meal. Listen to this. He said, the blood of Jesus rages against sicknesses and diseases. The blood of Jesus rages against sicknesses and diseases. Let me say it another way. The blood of Jesus is a harassment and a tormenting force to the devil and all of his works. The blood of Jesus is a tormenting force to the devil and all of his works. And to show you what I mean by that, <clears throat> in Mark chapter five, I just want you to quickly see once again the picture of what was the strongest De demon and demonic entity in the whole region of the Gadarenes. And the Bible says Jesus showed up on the shore uh, and immediately when he stepped out of the boat, came to him a man from the tombs with an unclean spirit. This was legion, by the way. And the Bible says that uh, verse six, when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down in front of him. Hey, Raina, God bless you. He ran and fell down in front of him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you, do not torment me. Do not torment me. What did, these, what did this legion of demons know? This legion of demons knew that Christ had the power to torment them at will. Think about that. He knew that Jesus Christ had the power to, to torment him at will. Demons are tormented. Hallelujah. Demons are tormented by the power of God. I want you to write that. The power of God torments my enemy. Put it in the comments. The power of God torments my enemy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The power of God torments my enemy. That's exactly right. And so in just a moment, 
That's it, Kayla. Put it in the comments, everybody. Torments my enemy. And so in just a moment, when we get ready to take the communion meal together, as we receive it, it is tormenting every wicked thing that the enemy sent to destroy our physical body. As we take this communion meal in just a moment, it is tormenting every wicked thing sent against our bodies. If there's issues in your blood, it's about to be tormented by the power of God. Issues in the mind, issues in your organs, problems in your muscles, tendons, bones. It's getting ready to be tormented by the power of God. It drives out sickness. It drives out disease. It causes tumors to shrivel, die, and pass from your body. It kills cancer cells. I said it kills cancer cells. It kills cancer cells. It destroys coronavirus and every other type of virus. It destroys foreign bacteria. The power of God harasses and torments. Yes, it regulates blood pressure. It causes your blood cells to not be insulin resistant. It touches your pancreas and makes it produce insulin again properly. The, the power of God, it is a tormenting force to the enemy of your body and to the enemy of your soul. And the devil knows his time has come and his day is up. And as we get ready to receive this by faith together, we're going to see the power of God. Hallelujah. Fill our bodies and fill our minds. So I want you to get ready with me now. I'm in Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right, Kristen, get ready. This is what I want you to do when you're home by yourself and everybody that's watching. You can take it as often as you want. The Bible says in Luke, Matthew 26, 26, now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. So first thing I want you to do, take the bread. Now, notice what Jesus did. He broke the bread, but it's not just, I want you to see this. It's not just that he broke the bread to pass it to all the disciples so that there would be pieces. You need to remember his body was broken for you. His body was broken for you. And so we break the bread, not just because there needed to be pieces for the disciples. We break the bread symbolically knowing his body was broken for us. His body was broken for us on the cross of Calvary. His hands and his feet were pierced. His back was whipped. The Bible says they beat his face so severely that people looking upon him couldn't even recognize who he was. They jammed a crown of thorns down over his head. They pierced him in the side. The spear literally pierced the pericardium. Blood and water flowed out, the Bible says. His body was broken for us. And through the breaking of his body, he purchased our healing. 
And Peter wrote, looking back towards the cross in 1 Peter 2.24, and he said, by whose stripes you were healed. And so as Jesus did, Matthew 26, 26, he took the bread and he broke it. And I want you to break it there where you're watching as a symbol and a sign that as Christ's body was broken, I break the bread and the Bible says, and he blessed it. He blessed it and gave thanks for it. And he said, this is my body. And so now we pray, Father, I thank you. I thank you for sending Jesus. I thank you that he took stripes upon his back. I thank you, Lord, that he was willing to be tortured and killed, willing to lay down his life so that he could purchase redemption for every one of his children. Lord, we thank you that he was buried. We thank you that he descended into the lower parts of the earth and took back the keys of death, hell, and the grave. We thank you that he was resurrected on the third day. And we thank you now that he is seated in heavenly places and coming back soon to take us to meet you and be with you in heaven. Tonight, we thank you for the body of Christ that was broken. Now, as we eat, as Christ commanded us to eat, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that we are eating healing and health to our own body. As we take part of the rod from the house of Jesse, every wicked thing is swallowed up in the mighty name of Jesus. Every wicked thing is destroyed. Lord, as we eat the bread and partake of the communion meal, we thank you, Lord, that it is tormenting every enemy of our physical body. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you for it. Amen. Now, if you have the bread, take it and eat it. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your body. Thank you that it was broken for us. Thank you for healing. Thank you for deliverance. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, mighty Holy Spirit, for raising Jesus from the dead. Thank you, Lord. We receive healing. We receive healing. Go further. The Bible says in verse 27, and when he took a cup, get the cup in your hand. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you that I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. And so I want you to take the cup in your hand, everybody that's joining me now. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed and poured out for us. We thank you for redemption. We thank you, Lord, that we do not have to be in bondage to sin that we don't have to be slaves to the kingdom of darkness, but that by the blood of Jesus, you purchased us back from the kingdom of darkness and set us in the kingdom of your dear son. And that tonight we're redeemed by the mighty power of your spirit. And so Lord, we thank you for the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. Hallelujah. The streams of blood that flowed from his back, flowed from his hands, flowed from his feet, flowed from his side, flowed from his head. We thank you, Lord, for it. 
And now tonight as we drink, as you commanded us to do so, we thank you that not only is healing going into our body, but anything that tried to hold us in bondage, Lord, for any person that's battling addiction, can't get free from nicotine and cigarettes, maybe it's drug addiction, prescription medication, pornography, whatever it is that holds them in bondage from this night, it comes to an end in Jesus' mighty name. And as we drink this, we thank you that the anointing that's on the elements of the Lord's Supper comes into our body, sets us free, makes us whole in Jesus' name. And Lord, we thank you that we're ready to see Christ and we look forward to his soon coming in Jesus' name. Now, everybody, if you have it with you, I want you to take and drink from the cup. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Now take a minute and just begin to thank him. Thank him for your healing. Praise him and thank him. Praise him and thank him. Lord, we thank you tonight. We praise you tonight for your goodness. Thank you for healing power. Thank you, Lord, that we're saved and on our way to heaven, new creatures in Christ Jesus. Thank you that healing belongs to us. Thank you that deliverance belongs to us. Thank you, Lord, that the blessing of the Lord belongs to us. Joy belongs to us. Peace belongs to us. Freedom belongs to us. Protection belongs to us. We thank you, Lord, and we give you praise. Now, Lord, we thank you that in our body now, every wicked thing is being tormented by the power of God. We thank you cancer cells are dying. We thank you that organs are being renewed and restored, blood pressure being regulated. We thank you that arthritis has to leave tonight. We thank you that every issue sent to destroy us is going now by the mighty power of the Holy Ghost. We give you glory and we give you praise. You are the only one that has the ability and power to do these things. And so you're the only one that'll get the glory. You're the only one that'll get the praise. You're the only one that gets the honor. No man can take your glory, Lord, and we thank you for your goodness and your mercies that are new every morning, and your faithfulness is great in Jesus' name. If you believe it tonight and receive it, I want you to throw some hands up in the comments section, and somebody thank the Lord that you receive healing, that you receive strength, that you receive power, that you receive protection, and that your story will be different. Your story will be different by the power of God. That's it. Begin to thank him. Begin to thank him. Your story will be different in the mighty name of Jesus. Let me just say this as people are praising God. Maybe you jumped into the broadcast, you're watching me tonight, and uh, you're not sure whether or not you'd be ready to see Jesus if he came tonight. You know that there are things in your life that are sinful, they're wrong. And that if Jesus came, you would not be able to call him Savior, nor would you call him Lord, but he would come as your judge. Tonight, you don't have to finish the night not serving God. You don't have to finish the night not ready for heaven. And if you're watching me, whether live or on the replay, maybe even somebody shared the podcast and you're listening to this, and you know you need to repent of your sin and give your life to Christ, pray this prayer with me now. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for sending your son to die for me. I ask you to forgive me. Make me new. Give me the power to live for you for the rest of my life. I confess that Jesus is Lord and I believe that you raised him from the dead. And because I do, you said I'm saved. And so thank you, Lord, that I'm a new creation. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. If you 
prayed that prayer with me just now, whether it's the first time you've ever prayed it or you're rededicating your life to Christ, I want you to do something for me. I want you to go to my website, miracleword.com, miracleword.com. Click the button that says, I just got saved. Right on that page, there's a, a short video I want you to watch, and then I want you to get in touch with me because I want to send you some free things to help you take next steps uh, in your walk with Jesus Christ. And we want to stay in contact with you, and we want to be a blessing to you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. I feel it, man. I feel the power of God on my body. I receive it in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. I receive it in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. I mean, are you thankful? <laughs> are you thankful for healing? Are you thankful for deliverance? I thank God that I don't have to be bound by nicotine, by drugs, by pornography. I thank God that I'm not bound by any wicked thing that the enemy was sent to destroy my life. We're free. The Bible says, he who the sun sets free is free indeed. In Jesus' name, we are free indeed. And there's, listen to me, there's an entire world of people that need the same freedom that you have. That's why, as we encourage you to sow a seed tonight, as we're encouraging you to, to step out in faith and plant by faith, the reason is there's a whole world of people who need what you have. They need this same gospel. They need this same power of the Holy Ghost. And as you sow seed, two great things happen. Number one, it is God's system to bring blessing into your personal life. The Bible says that when you sow, God uses your faith in sowing to bring harvests of blessing back to your life. That's number one. But number two, as you sow seed, you're creating a harvest of souls because you're sending the gospel forward and the gospel's being preached across the world. And as it is, people are coming into the kingdom. Think about this. And I love this because we work together as a team that the credit for their salvation and for their life is also laid up to your account in heaven. I love that. That when you take part in the gospel being sent forth, their salvation, their healing, their deliverance is laid up to your account as well because you sowed the seed to make it possible, to make it happen. You imagine this, when you get to heaven, there's gonna be people that run up to you and hug you and thank you for being faithful to the kingdom of God. And I'm sure they'll say things like this, if it hadn't been for your faithfulness, if it hadn't been for what you did, I may, may, have, I, I may never have heard the gospel. I may never have gotten saved. And I thank God that he uses us like that because it makes an eternal change. Makes an eternal change. Let me just say this. Thank you, Tammy, for sowing a seed. Let me say this to you guys tonight. You are taking part right now in somebody's eternal change. Somebody's being brought out of death and into life because of your faithfulness. And that's how God uses us. You read the Apostle Paul, what he said to the churches, he said the same thing. Praise God, Ronnie. What a testimony. Brother Ronnie has been debt-free since 2016. Praise God for that. God is good. I agree with you. Thank God for his provision. And when we do that, see, God's blessing comes upon us. Can you imagine the wonderful, wonderful feeling and blessing of being completely debt-free? I know many of you that are watching me, you're not debt-free yet, but you're believing God to be. 
And let me tell you, God will do it for you as well. He doesn't love Brother Ronnie more than he loves you. He loves us all the same. And as we're faithful to do what he's asked us to do, the same provision, the same power of God is available to you and to me. Thank you, Deb, for sowing a seed. So listen, if you want to sow, that's it, Lynn. I, I'm the, I feel the same way. All the glory is God's. We are blessed to be used by him. I feel the same way. Rosa, if you would like to send a prayer request, do it this way. Would you send it to info at miracleword.com? Info, I-N-F-O, at miracleword.com. And we're happy to get your prayer request. And we want to pray for you, Rosa, by name. Amen. Say it, Kelly. My story will be different. That's it. Can you imagine how wonderful it's going to be as the weight of debt is lifted off your shoulders? Can you imagine? Yeah, if, if she would like to text. Rosa, if you want to text, you can go to miracleword.com forward slash text, fill out the form, and then we'll text you and you can send us by text message uh, your prayer request as well. But I'm excited because God's got a plan to bless us. Every one of us. 2020, don't forget. Don't forget. 2020 is going to be a year of violent increase and expedited favor for every one of us. How do you set yourself in position? By sowing a seed. And how are you going to do that? There's multiple ways you can. You can always put hashtag donate in the comments if you're on Periscope or Facebook. But if you'd like to, oh, of course. Of course, Tammy. Um, Tammy's asking in the comments, do the seeds we sow feed those precious children as well? If you follow us in the daytime, you see a video that we played that was sent to us by Feed the Hungry. Uh, Feed the Hungry is an organization that was started by Lester Sumrall, and uh, we are in the top level of givers to that organization, feeding hundreds and hundreds of children around the world every single day. And we thank God for the opportunity to do it. But part of what you sow, of course, feeds those children. You're a blessing to them. And uh, I'm telling you, there's just so much that you're doing that when you get to heaven, you, you won't even know the fullness of it till you get to heaven. And so thank you for doing it. If you would like to use an app, of course, you can use Cash App. Many are doing that. PayPal, Venmo. And the easiest way is to go to miracleword.com. And right there on the website, you can click and sow a seed. And what we've been asking you to do is to pray and consider in your spirit. Are you to be one of the ones? Thank you, Mike. Appreciate you for sowing a seed. Are you to be one of the ones we've prayed for? Carolyn and I have asked the Lord and said, God, would you connect us with at least a thousand people that would stand with us monthly at $85 or more, believing God for nations to be changed? And I'm believing with you that the same blessing comes upon your life. Thank you, Julie. I appreciate it. If you feel in your spirit, there's no pressure. We're not pressuring you to do anything. We have no pressure in our ministry. Literally, I can sit here before you tonight and feel no pressure. I'm not under the gun. I'm not in here like, I, got, I need you to call in right now. I, 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 there's no pressure. There's no manipulation, no pressure. But I want you to just be led by the Spirit. If you're one of those that the Holy Spirit is speaking to and saying, you're to partner with Ted and Carolyn as they're doing what I've called them to do. If that's you, when you go to miracleword.com, you can click on the partner tab and you can fill out a form that monthly that seed will be sown uh, and you can set the amount, you can set the frequency, how you'd like to do it. And we say thank you for standing with us. 
Thank you for standing with us. For every person, and I love this, for every person this month of April that's partnering at $100 or more, we're going to be sending you this phenomenal book on the end times. It's about 530 pages, an exhaustive overview, and it's so easy to read. It'll, it'll capture you by Dr. Mark Hitchcock. It's called The End, and this book is my favorite book, my favorite book on the end times. I love this book. It's a great reference, uh, and it has exhaustive information. It presents every viewpoint, which helps you to understand where people are coming from, and uh, that's our gift to every one of you that's sowing uh, $100 or more this month, as well as those sowing 1000 or more. We're, we're including with that the Life Application Study Bible, Genuine Leather, New Living Translation. This is the, one of the best study tools you can own, and I'll make it out to you and send it to your family. We love you, and we really and truly appreciate you uh, standing with us. Zach Ramsey, a dear friend of mine, and a partner with Miracle Word Ministries. He said, we so often, partnering monthly raised us to a new level. Thank God for that. And he's blessed. Yeah, we, we do appreciate you um, and your wife. We, we love you both. And you are blessed. And we appreciate you being connected to the ministry and us personally. We love it. We love you as friends. Kelly, you're welcome. We love you too. Appreciate you. Um, it's Friday, so I will not be back in the morning at 1030. Uh, tomorrow and Sunday, we're not doing day broadcasts as normal, but tomorrow night, 7 p.m., Spirit of Faith Sessions. That's awesome. Kelly, you got the Easter pay. Oh, let me mention that now that Kelly brought it up because it, it's coming down to the wire. These, if you want to get these uh, Easter boxes for your kids uh, for the upcoming Resurrection Sunday, we need your order by tonight, by tomorrow morning. Literally, literally we need it. Be best if you did it by tonight because Jenna's got to get these packages to the post office to get them to you in time for Resurrection Sunday. And so there's now two different options on the Easter box. The one you see on your screen includes the T-shirt. Um, everything else is available, but without the T-shirt, it's $25 instead of $40. So you get the Miracle Word Kids Tumblr, which I saw today for the first time. Those cups are awesome. Um, the devotional, the slap bracelet, the candy, uh, the Easter story, and the t-shirt. It's all included in a custom-made box that has our confession on it. The kids will want to keep it and put their stuff in it. It's really well done, and uh, it'll be a blessing to you. Jenna needs to get that information literally by tonight because we want you to have it in time for Resurrection Sunday. So don't forget. Also, coming up on the 9th, we've got Miracle Word Kids Live Craft Party Trivia prizes, 2 p.m. on Facebook. Don't miss this one. It's going to be awesome. And then, of course, this is so exciting to me. Further Faster is done. And I do mean 100% done. And out the door to the printer. It's coming to you this month of April. I'm pumped up by about this. Best book we've ever released, without question. Best book we've ever released. If you'd like to get a copy pre-ordered and ready to go on the first come, first serve batch that we're ordering, go to shop.miracleword.com. Place your order today. We'll get it to you ASAP as soon as it comes out, and uh, it'll be a massive blessing to you. Most important book I've ever written, written, I believe. No question. Especially in the day and age we're living in. It's time to supernaturally be promoted by God into what we're called to do and not waste time. We're not called to waste time. God wants you to go further, faster. Thank you, Lenann. 
I appreciate it. I am so happy that it's done. And I'm so excited for you guys to get it and read it. Uh, it's going to be phenomenal. Going to be absolutely phenomenal. Any questions about tonight? I'll give you folks a few more moments to, uh, to sow seed. I know some of you are giving on the website. Some are using Cash App. Cash Apps has quickly become uh, one of people's favorite avenues to give, including me and Carolyn. I love using it. It's so easy to use. And uh, we literally are using it all the time. We like to bless people using it. Uh, we give using it. It's We pay our babysitter <laughs> with that. I mean, I love it. I love it. Thanks very much. I appreciate that. Is it Todd or Janine or Kyle that's commenting? I never know. I don't want to just say, thanks, Todd, Janine, Kyle. You know, it's like every time. So who is it? Unveil yourself. Come out from behind the mask. <laughs> Any questions tonight before we take you into a time of supernatural praise? I'm going to leave here with my friend, Jeremiah Yoakam, singing Funeral Plans, one of my favorite songs. No, I know. I know you can. <clears throat> Coco de Paris. I didn't have any unleavened bread. By the way, the reason that, that it's unleavened bread is because in the scripture, Leaven is a representation of sin. And so unleavened bread is like, you know, bread minus the sin. <laughs> Thanks. Love you, Kristen. Appreciate you. See you tomorrow night, seven o'clock. Of course you can do the communion. Do it whenever you are in remembrance of Christ and what he's done. Thank you very much. Appreciate you. Love you guys. Listen. Have a phenomenal, phenomenal night. I love you. Have a great rested weekend. Enjoy your family. Yes, Pastor Bob uh, talked to me before all this happened, and so I'll get back with him, and uh, we are planning to come back to Evangel World Prayer Center very soon. Love Pastor Bob Rogers and his family. Love that church, and um, looking forward to it. So we'll see you again there without question. Have a great night. Have a great rest. I love you guys so much. And I'll see you tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. God bless you. Love you so much. Between the pages of an old family Bible, I found dates of births, deaths, and no revivals. Then I came up on a page. It was written by a feeble hand. It said, this is my last request, and these are my funeral plans. Oh, we
Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.